once again back once again back once again back once again back once again with a Welcome to the Wisdom in All Things podcast. What we're going to do over the next 13 episodes is step into kind of a, a, a special series here on Wisdom in All Things. Benjamin Franklin has 13 virtues that I like to kind of walk through. I think they relate to our mind, body, and soul. I think they'll be appropriate as we consider how to uh, understand and apply wisdom in our lives. And Benjamin Franklin was a, a pretty righteous dude. You could say that Ben Franklin's 13 Virtues was an attempt to fill in what he thought was missing from a five-part sermon on Philippians 4.8. That verse goes like this. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. The preacher's dry, uninteresting, and unedifying, according to Ben Franklin, preaching aside, Franklin could not understand how this passage could be taught and not a single moral principle inculcated or enforced. Hmm. His delusionment was at least partly responsible for his conceiving of the 13 virtues. He called it the bold and arduous project of arriving at moral perfection, wishing, he said, to live without committing any fault at any time and to conquer all that either natural inclination, custom, or company might lead me into. Yeah, that's pretty bold. It did not take Benjamin Franklin long to realize the extreme difficulty in attempting to live a life of perfection, despite the best intentions, earnest planning, and meticulous execution. One could only hope that such a zeal would go viral, infecting all who would seek to apply these virtues, if not the latter portion of this letter, to the Philippian church. A wise life is a virtuous life. There is an expectation of behavior from someone who claims to be wise, and it would very much look like a life that is exemplified in the characteristics highlighted by this great American statesman. So it is with that portion of Paul's letter and Ben Franklin's pursuit in mind that we covered these virtues in a special 13-part series over the next 13 episodes. Our first virtue, temperance. Benjamin Franklin says, Eat not to dullness, drink not to elevation. I'll let that sink in for a minute. Keep in mind coolness and clearness of head. What probably comes to mind immediately when you read the word temperance is abstinence, and specifically related to alcohol. Abstinence can be necessary, but that only half defines temperance and can lead to an extreme and unnecessary application of the word. What is not abstinence and not indulgent, but moderation? Somewhere between all and nothing is temperance. Temperance implies a a sweet spot, not too much and not too little. Each extreme is understood and necessarily avoided. It is a life in balance, requiring control and intentionality. A dictionary definition pushes the idea of moderation, describing temperance as moderation, inaction, thought, or feeling, restraint, and Habitual moderation in the indulgence of the appetites or passions. Aristotle affirms the positive when discussing the virtue of temperance as being equidistant from the extremes. In the same way that courage, he says, is a means between extremes of response to fear, temperance is a mean between extremes of response to pleasure. Benjamin Franklin believed that temperance, quote, tends to procure the coolness and clearness of head, 
which is so necessary where constant vigilance was to be kept up and guard maintained against the unremitting attraction of ancient habits and the force of perpetual temptations. So let's talk about finding that sweet spot of temperance. Being sober-minded, that is, coolness and that clearness of head I mentioned, allows us to remain focused, to avoid the extremes, persistent, remain vigilant, and in control, decisive restraint, all for the sake of the sweet spot that is temperance. We can then look at it in terms of being qualified or being disqualified. What is the sweetest spot? To be sure, it is avoiding the obvious extremes and that which so easily entangles us in order to serve and protect ourselves and those we love and fulfill the influential role we are to play. That is the space it occupies. But the qualities or what qualifies it as being the sweet spot are characteristics listed in 1 Timothy 3, verses 1 through 7. While the list describes the qualities that must be evident in the life of an elder in a church, they at the same time identify the characteristics of anyone desiring to be temperate. Consider these. It says, be above reproach, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money, and manages his own household well. Arguably, these qualities are what would result or flow from a life that has a Philippians 4.8 mindset. They seem to outline a life that is temperate. And then looking at it from the other side, the, the opposite of that list, being disqualified. The Apostle Paul actually provides both inspiration and instruction regarding temperance. In 1 Corinthians 9.27, he says, I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. To not exhibit the qualities indicated that we just kind of went through would seemingly disqualify us from being temperate and would mean that how we act is not contradictory to what we say. Our moderation or restraint should be evident in our speech as well as our behavior. This is where vigilance is required in order that we remain in the sweet spot, but that our speech aligns with our actions and thereby lessen the likelihood of our being disqualified. So finding the sweet spot is remaining qualified, and that list is found in 1 Timothy 3, verses 1 through 7. When I referred to Franklin's meticulous execution earlier, I was recalling the chart he developed in order to observe and quantify his growth toward perfection. It was a simple table that listed the 13 virtues and then the days of the week, with each cell designated for a dot he would plot when he found himself exercising that virtue on any given day. He made it more complex by having a chart for each virtue that he would rotate, with a virtue to be highlighted for that week at the top of the chart. At the end of the week, he would not only review that particular week's chart, but also review them as a set. And there are a number of examples of his chart available online. I've got one listed at the blog at wisdominallthings.com under the series Benjamin Franklin's 13 Virtues. Whether you use the chart or devise something else yourself, it, it is certainly in your best interest to have some tool in place, but to establish the habit of intentional growth in those characteristics that make up the virtuous life. Be a part of understanding and applying wisdom in all things by going to wisdominallthings.com. Thanks for listening.